Hello, and welcome to the Cinemondo podcast with Kathy, Mark, and Burke talking about <laughs> movies and TV shows. Burke has his like <laughs> FM announcer voice going on. Hello. Here's welcome some smooth jazz. Grover Washington Jr. and Bill Weathers. <laughs> Mark has his blue light, like he's like a blue note jazz musician. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to see that on YouTube yeah. if you're listening. So I'd suggest everyone go to YouTube so they can see Mark. I want you to put on your <laughs> headphones and listen to the stereo separation of that saxophone, ladies and gentlemen. It's like Johnny Johnny Fever here from Johnny Fever. <laughs> oh my God! Well, okay. Well, we're, we're going gonna, back to we're the '70s because yeah, we're talking the 70s, '70s rock. FM music was uh, it was just that was when FM was rocking when just and I'm wearing a shirt from the 70s. I mean, it wasn't from the 70s, but it's about the 70s. It's Quint. Is that your Jaws? Really? Oh, okay. I have my big big L on my shirt from Laverne and Shirley, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) for for loser, we are going for the 70s. Uh, but this is go ahead, Burke. Sorry. Oh, you can intro it. Okay. Um, intro, Mark. <laughs> well, this is a, a, a part uh, series that's on Netflix that was produced by BBC One, and it's currently airing, streaming on Netflix, called The Serpent. And it's set in the 70s. You know, it's kind of all over the place with the years, but it's it's all in the 70s, and it's about uh, a real-life uh, character by the name of Charles Sobrage, and well, let's watch the trailer first so you get a little taste of what it's about. Then we'll get into it. All right. Roll tape. I've been good to you. And you understand why it's hard for me to accept that you just want to leave. <laughs> Our home is always open to friends. Oh, you're the gem dealer. He is the gem dealer. My husband, Alain. We have a network of careers throughout Asia and Western Europe. Which is how we are able to offer such attractive prices. To France. To France. To France. What's wrong with us? Looking for two backpackers. I work for the Dutch embassy. Their families haven't heard from them in over two months. I have letters they wrote home in which they both describe meeting a French gem dealer based out of Bangkok. Do they name this French gem dealer? No, but if this killer is not found, people are in danger. What is my risk next to that? What is your risk? See, this is what he does. He robs, kills, forges victims' passports. He's the man known as the Serpent, Asia's most notorious killer. You are a killer too. Nobody has ever caught me. I expected to feel great guilt. I did not. I felt free. All right. That's a pretty cool trailer. That's a really cool trailer. It's just gorgeous, gorgeous series. I just love yeah. just looking at it. 
it's it was exotic it was the 70s the fashion everything about this movie i was just all over it yeah our show it wasn't even a movie it was like an eight-hour movie but it was still really fun yeah well I it think, has the vibe of a movie like so many yeah. series now it's very epic yeah it's, and also for me i i didn't know any of the actors maybe you knew if seen a few of these in various films it's you know mostly british or european actors yeah. well, so Jenna kind of, coleman who played you know the main character um was in Doctor Who. She was a companion for, I think she has the distinction of being a, the longest running companion in mm. Doctor oh. Who, the reboot. Wow. Gotcha. So and she, I know her from that. Tahar Rahim, who plays Charles Sobraj. I've never seen him before, but he's very enigmatic. Yeah. He's really great in this. Really great. And, and so I, I liked it because I didn't know a lot of the actors. So I, you got to say, you don't have that comfortable sense of this person's going to be sort of, you know, okay in this story because they're the stars you just don't know what's going to happen right. so there's a great feel of for me a sense of place and time but also like who's who knows what's going to happen here you know so this is a true crime dramatization it's uh he and it's amazing that i've i've you know i'm a true crime well, i hate saying true crime fan but i watch a lot of true crime i know a lot about you know killers um i had never heard of this guy and how considering how per you know how prolific he was and the the massive range of his his murders like how did how did this guy just now come to prominence like i was shocked when i watched him like how come i've never heard of this guy he was out he he operated like in this mid-70s um he his con was he would present as like this kind of successful gem dealer but then he would basically was poisoning and robbing these tourists on like hippie road or whatever, like these kind of, right. you know, travelers who come to these really cheap places to just hang out and do drugs and have fun and oh, be hippies, you know, and he would be very, and I thought it was kind of funny. They would trust him because he wasn't a hippie at all. Like he was kind of, right. kind of corporate looking kind of like mm -hmm. straight laced, but he'd say, yeah, come back to my place. And they'd be like, sure. And I'm like, why would you trust this guy? <laughs> he because, seems like he's the antithesis of what you are. But you know, you think of late sixties, early seventies, and I traveled through Europe in the early eighties yeah. and the hostels, and you're always looking, if you have no money, you're always looking for a helping hand. I mean, in the yeah, early eighties, I would get into go to a train station, I would look for people to stay with them. Can you imagine that? Like, oh my God. like this guy probably home. seemed like the groovy Hugh Hefner type guy. Yeah, he did. He know, really he knew everything. Like it's like, oh, I can show you around Bangkok and I'll show you all the cool party places. Yeah. My house always open the pool parties all night long. Come and do, you know, drugs yeah. and have fun. And he was a good looking guy and he had, yeah. you know, a good looking girlfriend. So they were just kind of a hip couple and they spoke English. I spoke a lot of different languages. So yeah, it was like yeah. very welcoming for, for, you know, some travelers who, whatever they plan on doing, I'll stay with this guy for a couple of days and then it yeah. turns into a trap turns into yeah. a prison you know and also nobody it's that classic thing um that law enforcement has and this happens with like sex workers too is like they just didn't take the murder of hippies seriously number one right number two they feel like hey they're not from here it's not really our problem if your american tourist is missing and now found murdered that just they don't really take it seriously and, and they I feel like these people are living that. high risk you know it's high risk going into these places and just trusting people it it was really sad. So you have to wonder how many serial killers went undiscovered <laughs> during this time. I think he was exploiting that because they were Definitely. a great resource of, you know, I mean, part of the reason he was doing it was to get their, their information, their identification mm -hmm. so that he could travel yeah. under their, with their passports right, and make these illegal, you know, gem deals and, and foreign mm -hmm. sort of smuggling type things that he was into. Yeah. And, 
that's a that's a great plot you know if you can yeah. steal somebody's id because back in those days you know it was before cell phones and people would I mean, people who were traveling in Asia like that, backpacking through Asia, mm-hmm. it was expected that you probably wouldn't hear from them for a month or something right, yeah. or right. a couple of weeks would yeah. go by. And by then the trail goes cold. You know, it's not like now if if somebody disappeared while they were traveling, their friends and family would notice a lack of posts on Instagram today. What what the hell's wrong? You know, yeah. Yeah. and um, but not, back not then, connected back then. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a good mm-hmm. resource of of those kind of victims, you know, these people that wouldn't be missed right away. Yeah. And it was all word of mouth. Like you couldn't Google and research the safest places or where to stay or, you know, tips on how to travel. Everybody was just winging it and, and being like you said, very trusting of like, you know, everybody's cool and we're just having fun. And you know, 90% of the time that's probably true. And then once in a while you run into this kind of guy who is not, advert and it was so petty like he's killing these poor people in horrible way poison horrible yeah. sick god talk about vomit Whoa, yeah. so much vomit in this movie this show um but he was killing them in these horrible ways for how much like a few hundred dollars like travelers mm. checks it was mostly just, for their ids though i think mostly for the identification that he could yeah. he could use and, and also the sense he i think he felt like he, he could do anything he had this godlike complex like yeah. he could, could take these people out and do what you know make people do stuff like you know pour yeah. gasoline on them and light the match yeah. and you know burn up the bodies and well he was uh, definitely like he was always like i will yeah. always be free was his big comment like i will yeah. like he always he's escaped from prison when he was caught he he knew the police and he was able to kind of con them into letting him go you know so he he just thought he was invincible and he was yeah. very cocky, but he yeah. had also, you know, his henchman. He had, um, was her name Monique or no Marie who was helping him on the side, like kind of, and to me that sort of was also the, the having a woman partner helps, I think, put people at ease, you know? Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, um, I'm right back. <laughs> okay. Oh, Kathy's got, <laughs> Kathy's got a doorbell. She got a, yeah. She's got uh, dominoes coming in for, her. <laughs> she actually has a ding dong doorbell. <laughs> it doesn't make any kind of funny horror noise. You'd expect Kathy to have a doorbell that would scream <laughs> or like the ring or nest things are dong ding. There's all this different right. stuff. This is our old school doorbell. Yeah. Um, did you get the the Dominoes with the extra uh, pepperoni? Yeah, so I got to eat, you know. <laughs> We're talking about your doorbell. You have such a you have such a middle of the road ding dong. I know it's doorbell. the ring. The ring just has this little. Yeah, I know, okay. and we actually connected the ring to the doorbell that yeah. came with the. Anyway, <laughs> Every, there was this guy at the door, and he wanted to give me poison. I was like, okay. <laughs> now you know since, like you watched, since you watch this show, you know to avoid that. Yes. We are Do not service. trust people selling gems. <laughs> that was another weird thing. What a weird job. I, it just seemed like an odd job to have as sort of your front of like a gem dealer just seemed really odd to me. Like a, well, was a gem dealer. I, mean, I know, but it was a weird like your gem dealer, yet you're still like killing these people for their petty traveler's checks. It was just odd. For their ID. Well, for their ID for the and traveler's travel. checks. For the ability to go to different countries and make deals, illegal deals, you know, it was, I think that was the primary motivation was just to get these, you know, these identification packages Mm -hmm. that he could use and and become another person. You know, I don't think he want, I I think, you know, that hippies are not, (laughs) not going to be a big resource of, of money. They were just simply, you know, exploited as a, as a resource for 
for their identification. And, and he would hide those passports or, or lock them up in a safe yeah. and then yeah. he would use them. And they're stuck in this apartment complex, kind of an odd apartment complex yeah. place house. Yeah. But I think, you know, for him, the gems, like, you know, a, one big deal, one huge deal yeah. would, you know, it was always like, Hey, then we can finally get out and move and start a new life. Right. right? So with gems, you can, the classic, yeah. yeah, classic. You know, we'll do one more big, big job, right. and then we'll get out and we'll right. go. And clean. I think deep down he was, you know, uh, you know, considering he was a serial killer, I think deep down those were his motivations for his get off on actually killing these people. I think yeah, that was, I think it was his power. Yeah, sure. it was definitely. I mean, there were those great creepy scenes of him going, like you'd see through a doorway. And he's kind of sitting on the bed and you could just barely see like the camera through the door and he's kind of leaning over them while they're in the bed. And he's just kind of like, in a way, kind of enjoying yeah, their slow, gloating. horrible, painful death. Yeah. You know, yes. It was really, but, but that's one aspect. The other aspect is how great this thing looked and the yeah. locations. And like when he's not killing people, super charming, creep, cheap, creepy, charming, like yeah. very compelling actor. And you're like, you could see yourself kind of falling for his line because he just seems so confident and so smooth, but so cool and exotic. Yet that worked against him because he felt like people were racist and hated him because he was half Vietnamese. Right. Well, so I thought like that. I thought it was very seductive. The the music, the feel, the 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 fashion. You know, you you're getting seduced into that life. Mm. Well, I wish I was in Bangkok in 1976. You know, yeah. and sort of experiencing that. It looks like really fun. It looks mm. like you know, it's sort of a, a great place to hang out. And the thing about people like that is that you do run across unusual people in other countries. You know, yeah. I. I, um, my wife and I actually have a really good friend that we've known for years and years now that we just met in the streets in a, in a country that we were visiting in a weird situation where we were like, should we trust this person? Are they, because it was just one of those, hi, mm -hmm. where are you from? And then we were talking and then we went to dinner. And then every time we go back to this country, we see them and we still talk on the phone. You know, it's like we keep right. up with them and I think, you know, we're, we're sort of unusual too, you know, <laughs> so, mm -hmm. well, but you do run into unusual people when you travel and yeah. it's not unexpected that you might find a gem dealer in Bangkok or some, someone with a strange, <laughs> gem dealer. you know, like a strange career well, that that's you've kind never of part of the fun thing about traveling mm -hmm. you yeah. people and you're like, yeah, hey, I never would have met this person if I didn't go to Bangkok or Paris or whatever. So it's and really your chances are really small that yeah. you're going to run oh, into yeah. a serial killer anyway. But That's you know, thing. thank yeah. God for Kippen. Is it Kippenberger? Kippenberg. Her Herman uh, Nippenberg. The, Nippenberg. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God! Oh, yeah, thank yeah. God for this guy who who latched on to the murder of some Dutch citizens. Yeah, he was and, a Dutch diplomat, and the, he was obsessed with figuring this out. And yeah, he was following this thing all the way through. It was ruining his relationship. It was ruining his job. I mean. You see that, and you're, and he really didn't get much credit at the time. You know, he right. was always getting getting written out of the story. And I'm glad that the show kind of brought him to prominence as being kind of the hero of the, yeah. the piece because he had to convince so many different police forces in different countries to cooperate with each other to get this guy because no one yeah. ever believed it was the same guy for some reason, even though he looked so completely unique. <laughs> so weird. It's so difficult in countries like Bangkok. As much as I mean, I I love the location because I love Bangkok. I love Thailand. They shot it apparently in, in uh, Bangkok and Hua Hin, which is another place I've been and spent a bunch of time. And just I just love that country. I love Bangkok. I love the people. But there is still, there was back then probably even more, but there still is um, a lot of 
corruption in yes. the police and the governments and stuff. But the police, it's one of those countries where you can, you know, you can pay your way out of something and right. they'll, they'll, you know, not see something that's happening, you know, and it's, it's, it's horrible and sad. And that's what, that's another thing that, um, you know, no matter what country you go to, as much as you love that country, there's problems, there's going to oh, yeah. be problems under the surface. Yeah. And, uh, but I do have to say that I love, I love Bangkok. I loved seeing Bangkok in this movie because I could, we recognize my wife and I, my wife grew up in Bangkok. So she was recognizing, she's like, Oh, I know where that is. I know where that is. I know where that is. <laughs> right. And I loved how they brought in archival footage and then kind of yeah. seamlessly kind of yes. wove it in and you'd see they them kind of develop out. out of it. It was they so cool. It yeah. yeah. So you could Such tell that's definitely use. 70s stuff yeah. and then they would widen out and then it would be the, the, the production. Yeah. The and sometimes airport. I couldn't tell the difference almost. They were doing it so well. So yeah. I really enjoyed that. They really nailed that because a lot of times when I watch these period things, I'm always looking for the, you know, the Lexus in the corner or something or some kind of cell phone tower. thing. Yeah, but they, you know, yeah. I'm sure it was there, but I, they did a hell of a job of sort really of, you good. know, keeping you away from that. It was really good. And I, I'll just, uh, you know, Nippenberg was played by this uh, English actor, Billy Howell. I thought he was great. Yeah. So good. I, I, was, he was, I mean, I think everybody's good in this. Everybody this, was uh, good in this movie. Yeah. And they're mostly uh, British actors. Uh, Ellie Bamber plays Angela Nippenberg, his wife, and she's really good. And, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and a guy who played Ajay. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was, was really great. Good. Excellent. Um, Amish. Edurira, I'm, I yeah, I'm sure so that's wrong, but he was just creepy and, and you know, creepy, but also charming. sort of likable. Yeah, yeah you like the guy. Yeah, yeah. It, that's it's what been... they crossed that line of making these people likable as much as they were creepy and you hated them. You still yeah. were sort of drawn to them. Yeah. And even the short time that you see these victims, like the victims were very vivid. They did a really good job on humanizing them and you, you, right. you remembered them or recognized them. Um, even if they were only in the show briefly to show as like a victim who's sick and dying, you know, it's right. like you get to see them for a brief second. You're having, Oh, this is my last night of freedom. I'm going to be like a nun tomorrow. Or right. <laughs> that right. one of them girl I'm was literally doing. going to move to a convent and become yes. a nun. <laughs> yeah, I think I my only that. quibble with the entire thing was the weird jumping back and forth in time. I thought it was kind of needlessly confusing because I, they, they would, they would show present day and they go back. Then they'd show like three months later, no, two months later, four months. And I was like, wait, what? It, it got very uh, disorienting. So I just kind of eventually just say, I'm just going to let it go and not yeah. worry about the time frame anymore because it I, was very confusing. I felt the same way as because when they would do like, you know, whatever, three months earlier, they would use those old sort of, you know, you saw them at airports or train yeah. stations, the old mm -hmm. flipping of the letters, which I love. I've always yeah, loved, I love that. Things. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's what they would say like two months later or six months mm -hmm. forward, whatever. And at first I was like, my god they're doing this like every two minutes yeah you know, like it was like yeah. crazy but then like maybe in episode three i totally got into it yeah. and i kind of saw what they were doing because they were going back in time and seeing it from a different character's perspective yeah so you get to see so then i totally loved it but the first couple of episodes i'm saying boy this seems a little bit overkill to me well, because you think, had to really grasp on like the orientation of where it's three weeks from when, and you had to find your center point. And so I, it took me a while to figure out the center point of like six months later, two years earlier, two years. You, know, you had to figure out what center point they were actually operating from because the people didn't look that different. Yeah. So when you're watching it, you can't tell like, oh, with so many years, he was you know a different place or had a, a beard. You know, there yeah. was no telling anyone apart at that point. To me, it was like procedural. It's the way mm -hmm. you solve a crime. And it's the process that you use to solve a crime. You get little bits of information here and there. It's mm -hmm. not always chronological. And I kind of like the way that they put 
they assembled it in a way that you had these two opposing timelines. You had the, you know, the, the before timeline, and then you had the after timeline. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain point in, in there where they, where they meet and it's creepy. It's kind of scary when, when you're in (laughs) the, you're in the sort of present day in your mind and those older, these older scenes take place in flashbacks in, in, right. in your mind in your in your movie raised mind. Mm-hmm. But in the film, you're thinking of those flashbacks as being a different time. And then there's that one scene where they collide, where the, where the, where the bad guy actually steps into the present day yeah. in a really threatening mm-hmm. way. And I thought that was really a really brilliant yeah. buildup to that moment where they, yes. where the timelines crossed and yeah. you were like, "Holy crap, he's alive, and he's right here, right now." <laughs> yeah, and he, and all of a sudden, Nippenberg, who you know, it was yeah. kind of in the present, is like mm-hmm. now dealing, you know, in his fans dealing with the. He's with in the, the world story. with him now, yes. and the timeline with him. They, they're, they've converged. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. And um, uh, Richard Warlow was the showrunner, and and Hans Herbo and Tom Shanklin were the two directors. And just a shout out to those guys. It was really yeah. like well sort of put together. Yeah, it I really guess they've was. been working on this for years. Like I think they started. I think I was reading they started like around 2014 to try and pull this thing together. And wow. then they kept adding people and trying because I mean this was a ambitious project. You know, yeah. not only was it a a, a serial killer no one had heard of they had to deal with like going back in time and in other countries and period yeah, so the, the yeah i mean so much that. going on other part about the sort of the timeline is the, the very first couple of minutes of the series in episode one is an interview with him mm-hmm. i think from 1989 so you know that he's a free man because he's out he's being yeah. interviewed and so you go okay you know in your that head, was disturbing 19- the whole time yeah. you're going no, like, so he's gonna, that, like you're going ah, he's going to get through he's going to get away with it, you know yeah and then of course yeah. it sort of catches up to and then it kind of goes from there i won't spoil what happens but it's yeah. uh it's just interesting with the, yeah. the time stuff they really after initially going hmm, i don't know if that works for me it totally it was great and what yeah. burke said perfect it's sort you of just have to kind of let it wash yeah. over you a little bit till you kind of get your bearings but it does take yeah. it took me a couple episodes to finally go okay i think i'm getting this now and getting Ooh. into the location and you know the i keep going back to the fact that it was actually shot in thailand but i think that's really impressive i mean they could have mm-hmm. done it on sound stages here in hollywood yeah. yeah and you know thai people would say that's not thailand <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but it's that's but tight, you could have because you can kind of get away yeah. with that environment here in la you know you got the yeah. the sort of tro- tropical kind of vibe but the fact that they shot in thailand really gives it a flavor mm-hmm. and if you've been there you're you're like god i recognize the i recognize the the way the sidewalks are paved you know those those paving tiles on the sidewalk and the and well, the great the sign of, the, the, of its house you know that that sign yeah you know they kept going to that sign that, that's the way it was made sign. yeah is cut out with a router and you see those kind of signs is cut out of like teak wood with a router. You see those everywhere in Thailand and the tuk-tuks and the, the motor scooters and the busy streets and all the wires, you know, those, those wires overhead. And it already looks retro. You don't even have to try that hard. <laughs> well, so much of Thailand is still, yeah. I mean, it still looks, especially Hua Hin. Um, I told you guys about this, but um, my wife and I went to Hua Hin on our honeymoon, <laughs> which is where they shot a, a bunch of this movie. And I think the reason is because when you go to Wuhan, you step, you're stepping back in time in certain areas of it. It's unchanged. I mean, from 
I was thinking like the 1930s, the train station there, the train itself, the interior of the train, you could totally shoot in those places and not have to do a whole lot of digital erasing of cell phone towers or things like that, or, mm-hmm. you know, ads for Netflix movies. <laughs> it would, it, it's a lot of places in Thailand still have an, an old, an old vibe. You know, they haven't, you know, certain, there's yeah. certain areas of course in Bangkok that are super modern, like more modern than we've seen, mm-hmm. but there are certainly plenty of places. And I guess, making the decision to shoot it there was probably one of those things they probably had to really fight for. It's like, no, we want to move the whole crew, a whole production. We want to get the rights to shoot. We want to get permits and everything in Thailand, which has, you know, sort of notoriously corrupt police system. And we're doing it. We're doing a show that sort of talks about how corrupt the police are Mm. and how, dangerous it is to travel to thailand (laughs) and the uh, film industry there is also not um completely (laughs) clean Um, well they pulled it off yeah well they you know they shot there and then COVID hit and they had to stop the production and then they finished it in in the uk so i'm not you know yeah maybe they were lucky enough that they could just you know fake the rest of it or maybe it was a lot of you know true yeah interior stuff or something so but it, it comes off seamless. You never go. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. feel like th- Thailand to me. You know, it was funny to me too. Like I, I always wonder about the motivation of the the passive partner of somebody like this, like Marie, who meets this man and falls in love with him. Though he treated her so badly. Yeah. Not only did he treat her badly, like he he came on to her really strong. And they had all these really like these love letters that were super passionate and then she got there and he wouldn't even sleep with her like she was right. she was freaking out about it and so he just totally like he she felt very rejected by him then that continued through the entire relationship where he would like constantly like like draw her into these terrible things he's doing and then make her feel like it was her fault somehow right. that she was involved and he would constantly abusing her and i i see this and he's kind con- you go why why would somebody allow themselves to be partnered to something like this cruel and yet she just sort of pretended like, yeah, I'm giving them medicine, knowing in the back of her mind that this is a poison. This was making these people sick and dying. And yeah. I, I, it's just when her her um, her eventual like light bulb going off when she sees him for who he is, when they're at their bottom of the the, yeah. the high times when they're the trying to escape and they're on the run and they're in just these worst these like hanging out in these like. I don't know what like kind of flop houses and just the word. And he goes, don't worry, we're going to Paris. And it's like, I'm not going to believe you anymore. And finally, yeah. finally, but even then after that, they're both in jail and she's still barely almost hanging on, but she finally turns on him. But this was years of abuse, years yeah. of this manipulation. And it's like, man, it's, and she thought, and you see the photos of them and she just thinks I'm like Bonnie and Clyde. We're so cool. Not cool, man. Yeah, <laughs> not cool at all. Well, there's a moment in the film that I in the series that I really liked, where you, where in an in a in another film it would have been her her enlightening moment where she's kind of coming to her senses mm-hmm. when she meets a you know a, a hitchhiker and is talking about and they're talking about I, I, can't, I can't remember where they are I think they're in India and they're talking about the the little princess girl that appears in the window and there's a ritual oh, yeah. you know a yeah, ritual right. ceremony and there's a tourist i believe she's like an american tourist and she's there mm-hmm. talking right. about about this and you see the character um marie 
kind of you 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 assume that she's she's getting her strength and she's finally realizing this is a bad way to be but then the moment that she sees that this this other character has a source of something that she wants suddenly she says oh i want you to meet somebody you know she's like yeah. lures her right into the web and it, yeah. you realize wow she's not a good person and you I know? think her as the partner is what kind of let people have their guard down because I thought, well, here's this nice woman and they're sure. so glamorous. There's no way they would yeah. be dangerous. I mean, they're both so successful and, and yeah. they, there's they're a woman cool. here. How can yeah. anything go bad? And you know, that was, well, there was, was there part was of the honey trap. There was yeah. Nadine and her husband who were always yeah. at the pool and they were like cool, normal people. And they start, you know, so they were living there yeah. for a long time and they finally think what, what was, what's going on here. And I thought was, she was nuts. Yeah. Na Nadine. She took what? Yes. Like yeah. she almost aggravated me how dumb she was. The like, chances I, that she took, the risks. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It was like, thank God. But at the same time, like she was searching the apartment and then, then AJ would come in and she didn't yeah. have a good cover story and she was so bad yeah. at it. And then they'd say, you need to get away from that. No, I'm going back. I'm like, why? I know. And then when they, when they run into her at the post office. Right, right. And she right. could easily have walked away from that. And she didn't. And I was just yeah. like, why is this woman so dumb? It was making me a little nuts. Oh, I mean, do you think that was easy for her to walk away? I thought that she had no choice. All she could yeah. do is say, well, it's been great seeing you. I have to go run some other errands. I mean, there were a million ways to not get in a car with them. I mean, there was no reason. But don't you think that they knew that she knew that like. But it didn't matter. She wanted they them to not way. suspect her. So she felt yeah. like if I leave there, they might suspect me more. But if I go with them, they're not going to suspect me because why would I go with them if I, if I suspected them, you know, and she knew them too. That's the yeah, other but thing. You still could be not putting yourself at risk by going off and doing other things you were doing that day. You didn't have to just follow them into their car from the post. But it was also exciting for her. I, I think she <sighs> bored out of her it mind. It made me nuts. Yeah. I hated that. <laughs> and I think she liked being a spy. Oh, she definitely was getting off on it for sure. Yeah. So, and, and she, she put knew, herself the thing is she knew them. She kind of, I think when you know people, you know, we're looking at them as characters in a movie. We know what they've done and know what they can do. But she, you know, in reality, she knew these people and she probably felt like I, I can, I can see through them a little bit. I know what they're, I know where they are and I know what they do. And she might've felt encouraged or, or empowered by the fact that she maybe felt safe because they were such good friends, you know, safe, even, though, even though you're spying on them because you know, they're killing like dozens yeah. of people. So you feel safe with them. That's just, dozens well, I don't know. She, friends, she, you know? she took some unnecessary risks to me that, right. that didn't need to be had. And that they all, everything that happened afterwards could have happened without her actually almost getting killed. Yeah, <laughs> but may, maybe it's like you know uh, who knows how much of, you know if that character really was there if that was a you know a fictional yeah. made up character. But for Marie, mm -hmm. she could have backed off a lot of times too. She could have oh, left, yeah. but she never. She did. was in his thrall though. Yeah, she, was, she was, but a passive, abused woman who felt like she couldn't live without him. That she and still she didn't he, really have anywhere to go. Right? She, right. Yeah, no, she right. no. And her family right. had kind of written her off because she was yeah, with right. this con man and. Yes, yeah, so I she, just felt it was realistic that people do things. That no, you it's very go, realistic, but also oh, very why, aggravating. Why, no, why? I'm not <laughs> criticizing. I'm just saying, irritating how dumb people yeah. can be. I, I thought the character, I thought all, even the supporting characters, everybody had a re was really. Yeah. Um, they were full characters, like yeah, that guy Paul, were. who was sort of like the the ball guy. The guy I think he was German, maybe who was like Nippenberg. Oh, he was great. Like the guy, he yeah, always wanted to go in there and just shoot him. He was He's great, like, let's just shoot you know. him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I was like, yeah, let's follow his orders. I'm ready for the people that one episode done that. <laughs> like, you know, if he'd just gone off and shot the guy, how many people would have been saved? Yeah. And but I I, I thought it was a little bit uh it's I think betrayed a little bit of um is it Nippenberg? Kip Kippenberg, um, the Dutch uh Herman. Uh, Herman. I we'll say Herman. Nippenberg. That you know, his, his like drive you feel like a little bit to get significance from this case like he felt it made him important that he was he's like you know i still believe we did the right thing even though dozens of people died that i didn't let you shoot him it's like really really you can't just back off of it for one second you know (laughs) like you can't just go in there blasting because you might be wrong you know it's he was trying to do it by the book he was doing it by the book he was the, he was a you know he was a you know diplomat. I'm going to do this you know the, yeah. the law the, the but he's doing it in kind of a country that law lawlessness is is there yeah. you know it's yeah. part of it so it's not the it's not not the Netherlands you know it's a yeah. different yeah. place yeah but it's a really great it's a great, really great it's it's eight episodes I feel if if my quibble is they could have maybe lopped off an episode an episode or two uh, I felt a little bit at the end like it was kind of stretchy a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, still, like, it was just so beautiful to watch, and so, and like, so yeah. the, the lead, he was so compelling that you keep watching it. But yeah, I feel like we were getting a little bit competitive, a little repetitive. Even though I have to say, what my favorite stuff was when he completely goes off the rails and escalates to like his big score of killing a bunch of people all at the same time. Yeah, insane, right. so crazy. I loved yeah. that. But yeah, it's I like think losing his mind. Two that yeah. Gone. yeah, it was a, almost also too that- meticulous and following the evidence, almost too much. But yeah, it's still just so fun to watch. I didn't really care that it was the truth long. is stranger than fiction. It just feels yeah. like, boy, there's so many twists and turns, but it's based on a true story, a real yeah. person. You know, it's so. That's the problem when you fictionalize this. a true story. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's things that you're like, we can't put this, we can't put this yeah. thing that actually happened in our story because it's too absurd, right. you know, so, or yeah. we have to change it in a way that makes it more believable than it was than it actually was it, it's funny with a thing like this when you you know when you watch the show and then you go you know you get on the get online and you start reading about this guy and there's there's things they left out of the story that you know they left it out because it would have been yeah. too like that couldn't have happened <laughs> that's great for um, i will you know put out the animal alert that there is a very sad monkey death in it which wasn't yeah. cool and unnecessary and then the dog didn't die, which I liked. <laughs> Not really sure what happened to the dog, but I was worried about the dog because they kept passing it around. It was a weird plot point that they kept passing this dog oh, back the, and forth, yeah, the, the little, but uh, it didn't die. Little, so I was glad for that because right. he could easily have done that to teach somebody a lesson, which would have been something he would do, but he didn't do that. And I, and I really liked the lead, Taha Rahim. Oh, so French, good. A French actor, uh, French Algerian actor. And so I've never good. seen him before, but he was, you know, kind of a master of disguise the way he looked yeah. and the way he looks in real life you go boy that's the same person you know so and just he i loved it really good he played it really understated too yes, i, I was think he, he wasn't um he wasn't broad and evil you know no. or, or un, unrealistically gregarious or whatever it wasn't he didn't he didn't overdo that um that thing he was just this presence in the film that that i thought yeah. was very believable as a person, you know, as a, as a real type of person. Yeah, I loved his sort of very silky smooth, very middle of the road, always in control. So that when yeah. he had these little moments where he would, the veneer would crack a little bit. It was very like, um, 
it felt very profound because you knew yeah. that him showing any kind of emotion like that was a big deal. So when you see this actor kind of just this little bit, of, you know, right. freaking out a little bit, whether he was stabbing victims when he lost his shit doing that, or, you know, when they're finally, you know, zeroing in on him and he's kind of losing his, you know, control a little bit at the end. It's yeah. like, that was so much more effective because he was so cool and collected the whole time, yeah. which even made him more compelling. Like I totally yeah. fell in love with this guy. I totally would have been victim. <laughs> <laughs> you would never made it to uh destination i mean this hippie would go oh my god he's so cute <laughs> how can he be bad he's so cute <laughs> it's a, it's a really it's well worth your time uh, eight episodes yeah. netflix uh the serpent bbc one production with a co-production with netflix so they actually yeah. put up a lot of the money so yeah um very very good handsome one. production yes <laughs> highly recommended yeah <laughs> And I've I've probably spent more time and in, in fact I know I have spent more time in Thailand than any other country I've ever been to outside of America. I've spent but, zero in Thailand, but it's on my list. It's definitely got to be on your list. <laughs> it's on my list. And I could show you around. I know. We'll have to do a joint trip. <laughs> Big family <Yeah>. trip. <laughs> I'll show you some of those uh, gym gym places. Show and, me some uh, gem dealers and some of those great party places. Yeah. <laughs> There's also another really good uh, Thai film directed by uh, Burke Saul. It's called Wires. And we yes. Had, uh, we should post we that should, on our YouTube. I, re- mm-hmm. I watched it again. Re- I say that because I watched it recently and I went, damn it, this is really good. We'll put I it on a really playlist because like we, well, we can access it through Burke's channel. So we'll get it up there. For our listeners, <laughs> I, it's um, a little film that my wife and I made that every once in a while when we go somewhere – you know, you have a, a film production studio in your phone, right? <laughs> but I actually took a nice camera and I thought, you know what? We should, I should write a little story, like a, a real simple, scary, twisty story, sci-fi kind of thing. And something that doesn't have any dialogue. So we don't have to worry about sound and then something I can do special effects on and do what I do. And um, I've coaxed, my long-suffering wife into being the actress in well, it. Yeah, she's long-suffering. And uh, yeah, well, she, <laughs> you know, it's we were out pretty late, and and we went to uh, um, Chiang Mai and Chiang Rai. We saw we shot some in Bangkok, so some of the similar locations to the Serpent. <laughs> but I love the idea of making a little film and mm-hmm. taking advantage of a location while you're Very on vacation. Smart. And if you're so inclined to make, you know, little, tell little stories and I'm always telling people, you know, there's no excuse for not making your, for not telling your stories. If you are a writer or a screen, you know, write screenplays or have story ideas and you have a cell phone, you can shoot your little movies if you want to. Soderbergh did. He shot an entire film on an iPhone. So I tried to figure out if I could do it. it like I keep saying you can and it, you can and Excellent. it takes some doing, but it's fun. It's not the greatest little movie, of course. Oh, stop it. We, well, we <laughs> shot it for for uh, zero bot. And um, she didn't get paid scale. <laughs> not even favorite nations. No. Uh, but, you know, it's real. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll put a link on it on our YouTube channel. It'll be on a playlist. Our playlist. Absolutely. We can, we can share it. Burke okay. is being, uh, Burke is yeah. being um, a little humble. There. Far too yeah. modest. Yes, exactly. Well, so, it's a weird. So watch The Serpent, story, but... then watch Wires. <laughs> it's a good tie, uh, tie yeah. double feature. <laughs> you'll you'll <laughs> be totally intrigued by Thailand by the time you're done. You're like, I want to know more about this place. 
Yeah. One is 458 minutes. The other one's about three minutes. About three, yeah, three minutes. <laughs> exactly. One episode. One episode, one actor. Done. <laughs> one one performer. Yeah. All right. One camera well, operator. There was one crew. Actually, Muse sister helped us for one shot. So okay. I gave her credit just so there would be three names in the credits. Okay. <laughs> yes, well, I remember seeing good. that name. So you had a crew member and an actor and a director. That's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and please don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe. To our little channel and please like and comment. And if you have any questions or comments, please, you know, let us know and we'll address. That scared me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awake now. Get the, defib <laughs> get the defibrillator. <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody watch the serpent let us know what you thought yes tell us yeah. in the comments tell us leave a comment down there and tell us if you've been to thailand if you if you got the vibe you know if you've had the feeling that like wow that really really yeah. is definitely shot there you know it has a feel of the place everybody's all sweaty that's another thing you'll find when you <laughs> yeah. <get> it. <laughs> if also you go if you're a gem dealer be sure and comment how accurate that was <laughs> yeah or if you're a thai police person tell us if there really yes. is corruption or not yeah let us know if, the, if that was the correct <laughs> yeah let us know in the comments about <laughs> your corrupt government <laughs> if you're a corrupt police officer please let us know tell us how it works we're if you knew the serial killer, please tell us your stories. Yeah. Uh, we just got a comment from Interpol. <laughs> yeah. Interpol <laughs> wants to talk to us now. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now we've All done right. it. Bye. Right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks watching. for listening. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye.